0: Welcome to Thinking Deeply About Primary Education, the podcast that gives you a peek inside the minds of some truly inspirational teachers. This week, I am thrilled to welcome both Victoria Morris and Neil Almond onto the podcast to talk about all things primary geography. Between the two of them, they've forgotten more about geography education than I'll ever know, and they've been kind enough to spend around four hours recording not just one, but the next two episodes for us, and I know you're going to absolutely love what they have to say. But as always, before we get started, I'd like to ask a small favour because one of the ways to help ensure this podcast reaches the many, many teachers not using social media is to leave a review wherever you're listening. It should only take a second. And it would mean so much to know these interviews were reaching those they can help. One reviewer will be chosen at random during episode eight of season two and receive signed copies of Thinking Deeply by Primary Mathematics, The Art and Science of Primary Reading, 100 Ideas for Primary Teachers' Maths, and The Research Ed Guide to Curriculum featuring a chapter from Neil Almond. So without further ado... Let's spend some time thinking deeply about primary geography education. Excellent. So in, in this episode, we're joined by Victoria and Neil, and they're going to share their expertise in relation to geography at the, at the primary phase of schooling. Neil, we've already got to know you a little bit in previous episodes. So, Victoria, I think we'll start with your numbers. And my first question is years as a teacher.
1: Sixteen
0: last year group taught five most important year group
1: for me six that's for me that's the most important year group i think in my career that's the year group that i that really helped me to develop the most professionally not that i'm saying that year six is the most important year group in primary school
0: (laughs) contributions to geography books curated by mark (laughs) answer and tweets 13.8
1: 13.8
0: thousand wow that's that's impressive i think so far you may be the most experienced teacher to visit the podcast and um, andy keegan was on and he was 15 years so you've just edged him out so far and mm-hmm. um, so that's a yeah that's that's a good record to hold and um, if we could circle back to
2: can i can i also say that um Victoria, I think, is the best person to have stayed in there, just the in-numbers kind of confinement that you put on these questions that no-one else actually uh, pays attention to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: you're you're absolutely right. and I know um, Yeah, people often talk about how often (laughs) people deviate um, from the rules of the game, so I think that was really well played. And, in fact, I think if we circle back to geography books, um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about, I think, is it Powerful Geography that uh, you sort of contributed to?
1: Yeah, got it here. Yeah. Um, so I, I wrote a case study about um, how to plan a country study for primary geography for the primary curriculum. Um, and it was based on the blog that I wrote about Italy as a country study, and I basically just it described how would I choose to, like, how did I choose the content that I was going to put in the country study? And when I did our school's um, geography curriculum, how did I decide what content to include in which of the country studies?
0: Excellent. Um, I reckon that's um, that's a, a peep inside your head. I would have really loved that whenever I was teaching geography all the time. Um, Yeah, because I reckon I didn't do it justice. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think people can really benefit from from the opportunity to see your thought processes. That sounds excellent. Um, So you're a year five teacher at the moment and Mm -hmm. a specialist in curriculum design and the humanities. Tell us about your journey and how you got here.
1: Um, When I started teaching, I think some schools were on the QCA, like just taught everything exactly as it was on the QCA schemes of work. And then some schools were on creative curriculum. And I kind of taught in both schools in Um, teaching practices and like early schools I taught in but the creative curriculum was like you get given a list of what you need to teach in this year group go like you might get a list of I think my first school I got given a list of topic titles and that was it for the whole year and I just had to plan it all myself so I mean it was hard at the time trying to like decide what do you include and like how to do it and everything because it was just starting from scratch there wasn't any planning to go on but I think that experience really helped me that I I was, I, I think that's how I got really familiar with the national curriculum, because that's, that to me, that was the way of deciding what do you do. That's how to narrow it down is to keep going back to the national curriculum. Um, and I taught in schools that were like that right up until I moved to um, St. Matthias in 2018. I, I'd always taught by doing creative curriculum topics and just knowing what I had to cover in the year and deciding how to link things together um, and so like subject leadership wise I actually started off doing re and I did re and music for quite a while and I taught from years two to four um, and then I moved schools and got the opportunity to move up to year five and I knew I was taking them to year six when I moved when I started year five so that was great because I knew that I had two years to get I'm ready for Sats, and so I, I've done quite a lot of years in in Upper Key Stage two now. And I was maths lead as well for five years, I think. Um, and then I also became curriculum lead at that school and started looking at curriculum across the school rather than just focusing on my own year group. So I've led quite a lot of different things now. Um, I, I like I can just get into any different subject really. So I was never really an expert on geography or history, although I did do history A-level. I, I gave up geography in year nine. So I was never a particular expert on geography until Claire said to me that I could um, start working on some Matthias' geography and history curriculum. And then I just had to really, like, improve my subject knowledge loads at that point so that I could get that right. So that's when I got much more into the humanities side of things.
0: And So how many years have you been teaching when you got that chance to dive into geography in depth um 13 13 so you'd established your craft pretty considerably you know because as i'm listening to i'm thinking about them i often talk about how we should give our new teachers as much as possible and then over time and you know then they have that you know increasingly more freedom and then i was listening thinking well actually hold on you've made a really good point about the fact that you learned on the, you know, by doing it, you know, you learned by getting under the skin of it. Um, but I think, yeah, I think they, they probably balance off quite well with each other. Um, that's really interesting. Um, and actually, yeah, it's, it sounds like something I quite, if I hadn't gone down the maths route as much, I definitely think um, history and geography would be something that uh, I would like to spend a lot of time. Because like yourself, my geography knowledge isn't great, um, but I also did history at 11. Mm. Um, and I find that fascinating. And um, so I think, Neil, if we, we can bring you in now, um, with obviously with our focus on geography in this episode. So your, your combined expertise in curriculum design takes some beating. Um, and you're both particularly passionate about quality geography education in primary. Why is geography important at our
2: phase of schooling? Who wants to go first? Victoria? <laughs>
1: Um, I think the first thing I I thought of for that was awe and wonder, just because the more you understand the world around you, the more you can enjoy it. So I think like at the early stages, that's really important, like the amazement that children get when they, when they've been taught the geography of urban and rural environments, and then you take them to a rural environment and they can recognize all these things that they're seeing, I think. Uh, that's the That's
2: the first thing that I thought of uh, for me it comes from a document i'm going to reference quite a lot um in this uh, podcast and it really is a document that most teachers should be uh, familiar with and that's the uh, the national curriculum because what tends to happen as teachers do is that they look at the oh, what do I teach in Key Stage 1? What do I teach in Key Stage 2? And they tend not to read the purpose. But there's always a little paragraph about what, you know, what the purpose or the, you know, the attainment of this subject is. And I think, for me, when I read that, looking at these questions and I read that, I think it was it was just perfect. Um, and, you know, inspire pupils, a curiosity and fascination about the world, Um equip people with the knowledge of diverse places, people, resources, natural and human environments, understand, a deep understanding of Earth's keys, physical, human processes. I mean, it's about the, that understanding of why the world as it is, is, is the way that it is now and what's not exciting to know about that. I and mean, you know, we talk about powerful knowledge and, you know, children's inheritance. I do fundamentally believe, you know, it's, children's inheritance to understand why the world that they currently live in is the way that it is. So I think, you know, children are quite egotistical at primary uh, school age. It's all about me, 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 probably quite rightly so. So I think geography is kind of a nice way to take them out of that and to understand um, the world as it is when they don't perceive themselves to be the centre of it.
0: Strong answers, strong answers. And um... I think perhaps the fact that we live in such a multicultural society, and I think it's increasingly multicultural and increasingly international, and I can totally see how that would be a benefit um, to pupils in that scenario. Because you're absolutely right, they, um, you know, it is very much you start at the centre of the of the world, and then the older you get, the, the more you realise that you're that you're not. And excellent. Is there anything you want to add to that, Victoria? Or
1: um, I think about it's important to get it right at primary level because for the preparation for secondary as well, but obviously that's the same every subject, but it's important that they really know geography that they're not just doing some things learning some things about other countries, but they've they've really had like that solid geographical knowledge and like really focusing on what geography is as a discipline to prepare them for the secondary geography
0: and if you guys could condense your approach into a set of guiding principles what, what would there be?
2: First of all funnily enough read the national curriculum for geography read what it actually uh, says in there it's um I was briefly flicking through Mark Anser's book and it's pretty light on content and some of the geographical statements in there are quite wordy and like Victoria I um uh, stopped doing geography in year nine that I dropped it as soon as I could it wasn't a particularly one I I liked it but I didn't enjoy it um, and some of the things that you know that we expect you stage two to learn you, you look at that and you think what on earth am I meant to be doing you know that there's land use or something like that that kind of the objective off the top of my head but there's one there that's just you know no one unless you've got recently done a you know probably taking it up to a level or you've taken it up to um or you're one of those lucky people that have a you know a geography lead who actually has a degree or an a level in geography is really going to truly be able to understand so i think for me it's read the national curriculum and understand what that objective is um is saying decide on what your outcome is going to be from teaching that objective um where appropriate i would then link to um Peter Jackson, who's a geographer, he wrote in a a paper, and again, Mark Henson references it plenty, um, the key concepts of um, geographies. So that's linking it to um, space and place, scale connection, proximity and place, and relational thinking. And once you can kind of map that out, then I think it's time to read up on your subject knowledge and find everything and anything that you can once you've improved your own subject knowledge, you can begin to roughly map out a sequence. Um, you'll understand what the children's their end point is, so you can plot, plot it backwards. From there, you can then draw in substantive concepts like environment, trade, weather, climate, resources, those things that can help us link back to previous year groups or can link us to other subjects. Um, I say then find those links to those areas of the curriculum. And once you've done all that, you can then write what I call version 1.0 because the minute you leave it, you come back to it, you think, why did I include that? This is more important, or maybe I can take that out. So I think it's really important when you're kind of doing these things. It's it's never a finished, complete process, even if you've had your curriculum in place for two or three years, the world of geography is ever changing. So it needs that constant revisiting as well.
1: Good answer. Um, I think... The only thing that I want to add to that is, I think it's probably, it is the case in other subjects, but even more so in geography, there's a lot of stuff that children need to remember that you can't just teach them once and then expect them to know it. And obviously you wouldn't do that with anything. You, you'd have to return to it, but there's some things in geography that just work so much better little and often, and that you, mm. you need to need really look at when you're like, designing the curriculum really thinking about like what works best as an in-depth unit and what is better like bringing it out and doing it the little and often stuff and just keep dropping it in the, the regular practice because if you just teach one lesson on these are the five continents and then don't do it again obviously the children aren't going to remember what the five continents are if you do one lesson in year one they're not going to know what they are by the end of year two so I think certain objectives in geography that just work so much better if you look at how can you keep revisiting it more often than even than you would by just doing a little bit of retrieval at the beginning of the next unit or the beginning of the lesson Um, and how you break down some of the objectives in geography as well just looking at some of them are really big and it, it does it work better to actually teach a bit of it in each year group rather than Putting one block in a certain year group and so I think just really looking at what does each of the objectives in a national curriculum encompass and then what's the best way of achieving that across the key stage so that children actually know it by the end of the key stage the best that they can it's not just a case of okay we'll take that objective and put it in that year group it's really looking at each objective on its own and thinking about what's the best way of achieving that across the whole key stage
0: what are some of the factors that influence your decision-making process? Um, and I suppose that's to both of you because obviously, you are know, talking about refining um, it over time. And so that, that's bringing to mind thoughts of, you know, what's hinterland and what's essential in our planning. So what, what are the, sort of the factors that influence your decision-making process?
1: The experience of just having taught a lot of the, I've, I've probably taught, there's some things that are now in upper key stage two that are in year six that I've never taught before but I've taught nearly all of these things at some point and I think it's just experience of having children come to me and what they knew and didn't know and I'm thinking okay but if we'd done it like this maybe they would have known that and so a lot of it's just drawn from experience of observing children and what they can remember and what they can't and what worked in different year groups.
2: Nice that that, that makes a lot of sense what would you mean? Victoria hit the nail on the head there it's just understanding once you see your curriculum as a whole not just your geography curriculum but your uh, the curriculum of all the subjects that you have and you kind of get that bigger picture overview you can kind of get the a sense of actually maybe this unit better belongs there or you know there's such a clear link here between what we're talking about in um Uh, um, the book that we're looking at for English and we draw on little bits of history or perhaps science it makes sense to have some geography maybe before it to um, act as a foundation or maybe possibly you know if we if they're getting these ideas in literacy they're getting these ideas in um, the science maybe it's best for geography to come next year so that then so then those two subjects act as a Uh, a trampoline as it were for you know getting onto that other part of um, that geography so I think it's once you understand your curriculum as a whole uh, that's when you can kind of really understand where the best things fit together and start playing around and I think anyone who wants to do that they need to be able to prove to me that they have seen that bigger picture that they can see or actually we think and I think it's worth you know, trying these things out i know um for example as sure we'll get to the in the history victoria and i will argue for days and days about the position of uh, the stone age to iron age and the only way that you'd be able to work uh, you know to find out is well we'll try it both ways and see how see what happens
0: nice that, that makes a lot of sense it's almost um, that narrative run through the curriculum and how it ties in with absolutely the whole story yeah that you, you know just, just listen to you guys. Things are making so much sense. And, you know, I really wish I could teach geography tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to try it out. Um, so suppose a pretty difficult question next. In, in your opinion, what is the single most important aspect of geography education?
1: I think for me, it's the, the bit the, well, the part that was a revelation to me when I started learning more about geography and improving my subject knowledge was It's the bit in that preamble to the national curriculum. Um, Let me check the exact wording where it says about um, the interaction between physical and human processes. I didn't know that was the key to geography. I think if I'd actually understood that when I was at school, I might have enjoyed it more. That It's like, how does everything link together? And I think maybe that's why I like it, because I always like looking for links between things. It's like every bit of it has to it's not lots of different things in isolation which was how i learned it at secondary school it's actually everything sort of working together and all the processes fitting together and i think it when you plan it is you have to try and plan it so that children understand that
0: yeah that's really powerful and recently i've been reading prisonership geography and it talks about geopolitical relationships based on Mm. the physical features and i think that's that's almost what you're describing that's what i'm definitely thinking about as you for me, that was, it was almost the first time I realized, and um, you know, just how important that physical geography is to how we behave as humans. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great point. And um, what about yourself, Neil?
2: Oh, yeah, um, echoing kind of what Victoria said, but also going back to what um, I said um, in an earlier question. It really is kind of getting children to understand how it is that the world looks like it does. Today, and looking back at you know what has happened and how we can kind of use that as a means to understanding what the world might look like tomorrow and what that means for us you know, right now and obviously within that comes the interrelatedness of the physical and the human geography and how all of those and the physical processes and how all those come together and as I say I'm going to be um, quoting so much. Um, on the ascent of man um because i think as a framework it's wonderful just to understand, you know the purpose of geography is to understand how it is that you know we started off in africa how did we as a species come to be in every part of the you know six the seven continents and every now and then we throw some scientists onto the seventh one just to learn more about it so yeah i think that'd be my answer
0: Nice. Excellent. And um, no easy task answering that one either. Um, especially, no. when, especially when you love as, as geography as much as you guys do. Um, and then so moving on to schools. What is it the schools who provide a stellar geography offering do so
2: well? What they do. And it's a tricky question. It's not going kind to of give too much answers away for the next one because you can almost compare them as, you know, stellar geography as what, well, what not, what poor geography is. Um So I think they really get the mix of kind of thematic studies versus regional studies. They get that balance well. So they may look at um, some physical processes in depth through um, thematic studies. They might look at the water cycle, or how rivers work um, as a thematic study. And then when they go to a regional study to look at South America, uh, North America, whatever they choose to um, study, they're then using what they learned in that thematic study as a hook into their regional study, or at least applying what they've learned. So actually we've learned about the water cycle. What can we, how can we use that to tell us about um, flooding in the Amazon compared to flooding in um, you know, the UK? So they can draw on the idea that you know, the more trees we plant, the more water they're going to absorb, therefore, Um, where we're um, cutting down forests in the Amazon, perhaps flooding is increasing, but hundreds of years ago, the flooding wasn't much of an issue. And They can make those connections there between the floods that we seem to be getting on a semi-regular basis over here as well. I would also argue that, um, and Victoria is definitely the person to talk about this, but the examples that they choose are really carefully curated. Um, so I won't go on to that because I know Victoria is the person to um, absolutely talk about that. And again, going back to what Victoria says as well, actually, the kids know the basics and they know the basics well. Um, predominantly upper key stage two teacher, and it is infuriating when you get children in year five and year six who still don't know the capitals of the four countries of the United Kingdom, and they still actually don't know what those four countries in the United Kingdom are. So before we can you know, get to anything more meaty than that, and I think perhaps maybe somewhat controversially i think there is a bit of place in the geography curriculum for that quote unquote pub quiz kind of knowledge about these things um but you know if you're getting children who are nine ten eleven years old who still don't understand that you know they live in a, a city called london and that city is in a uh you know is in a country called england and england is uh, part of a united kingdom which is made up of four countries and that country is in the continent of europe and europe is part of six other continents and then those continents are the land masses that make up the world then you know you're onto a losing stride already so those children who come up knowing all of that stuff i think you know it has to be stellar primary geography Um, And I'd also make sure as well and um, I've certainly been guilty about this when I've been teaching geography is the fieldwork aspects I think it's quite it's one that can quite easily fall by the wayside and again I think that probably is that because our confidence in actually thinking about what does good geographical fieldwork looks like you know I'm that's a question that I still ask myself and research quite often time to time um, because I can't say for certain right now, you know, what it is and what that should look like at the primary school. So I think if there are teachers out there who are getting that side right, then all power to them. And I think you've got to say that that's, you know, strong geography at the primary level.
0: What's your go to at the minute for field work? And, and you know, obviously not necessarily needing to give me the the idea. What, you know, how do you how do you envisage at this moment, you know, given that it might you know might change over time?
2: I think it's being realistic with what you can do at the places where you are now. So I think, you know, at its basic level, it could just be looking at the levels of traffic, at, you know, nine o'clock where it's typical rush hour. Then again, maybe at 12 o'clock because, you know, luckily we have the kids all day so we can do those kinds of things. And then again at three o'clock and you can do, you know, the data handling side of it from the maths and all of that kind of thing. And, that and so it kind of gives you that understanding of the wider school community. Um, obviously, as you go through to year six, you want that to progressively get more difficult and become a bit more sophisticated. Um, and what that might actually look like, I've hand on heart, I have to tell you, I'm not entirely sure just yet. I'm hoping Victoria's going to come in and, and save <laughs> me on that.
1: I, mean, I, I, think because I think probably not. Coming from a geography background, actually the field work and how to incorporate fieldwork into teaching geography that's probably the thing that I most need to work on still as well. Um, I mean I think a big part of it is knowing the local area around a school really well and I, that, it probably took me a long time to actually realize how important that was in curriculum design. Like, you really have to know the local area really well when you're deciding the curriculum and that's the same in history as well because if you know that then you'll know opportunities for trips like self, like ones that you could run yourself but also there's some really great trips around here where other people who know loads about that particular river or whatever it is can do that expert so i think for me you can do some simple things yourself at school and then drawing on the experts with trips for field work is really important as well because I, I'm not going to be able to have the equipment and the level of knowledge about um, the like the physical features and things that I think some people on a trips and it's really good I'm thinking of some particular rivers ones that I know about around here that are really really good um, obviously we can't do trips at the moment but I think when we can go back to doing trips that's it's having a really good knowledge of the different trips that you can do locally to supplement what you can do in school yourself.
0: Yeah, I only ask because I'm drawn a blank whenever, whenever you say excellent people work. So it's not trying to catch anyone out. It's genuinely just very interested to learn as much as possible. And so is there anything you think, Victoria, that um, schools providing, you know a stellar geography
2: offering, do really well?
1: I'm trying to think back to what Neil said. I want to answer something you were saying man
2: um it's about the um choosing examples so that the examples oh, yeah. that you might use the case studies that you might use they're carefully curated
1: yeah and you, oh sure. I, yeah you were saying about the um the example of knowing, knowing the uk and how it, and what's a city and country and continent and all of those things and i i was thinking when you were saying that like i think really understanding like the small steps that children go through and le- learning and understanding those concepts is a big thing because I'm, I know that I've still got children in year five who don't understand the difference between a city and a country and I've done it so much and they still just don't get it and I can ask for a, a city and get, and they'll say Africa and I'm like, I don't... <laughs> it, it takes a long time to understand what those things are and I think it's the... um, Is it the... Um, unconscious expert, isn't it? That as adults, we don't realize, like we know what those things are. You don't realize how much it actually takes for children to really develop that understanding. And so really thinking about the small steps that they need to go through to learn city, continent, um, country, and just to understand the difference and having so many examples. And I think just having a really wide variety of examples um, is really important. Um yeah, and choosing I what am I going to say about choosing the examples carefully? I think it depends on it's probably better to read my blog on this than for me to try and <laughs> badly say what I've already written down, but <laughs> um thinking about the like the makeup of the school and like the backgrounds of the children that you have and the area that the school's in. And also just what other countries come up in the curriculum and not just in geography as well. And just really looking at which ones will help you to teach the other elements of um, the national curriculum. Because if you're looking at, what am I trying to say? I'm sure I've written something about this recently as well, and I'm not explaining it properly, but it's like... um, actually maybe i did write it in powerful geography i think i actually did write this in there um but it's like if you're knowing what physical and human features the children have already learned about and thinking well which countries and which features of those countries are going to be helpful to um apply the knowledge that they've already got so like if you've taught rivers already then obviously when you do a country study, you're going to look a bit more in depth at the features of the rivers in that country, or like you might know that you've taught rivers already, but then you you know, you're coming to mountains next. And so you might just drop in a few things about mountains to that country study to prepare them for when you, when you do more about mountains and then you can remind them. I remember when we learned about Italy and we learned about the Alps and, and they've got already got some, like it's primed them for it. So I think it's, there's a lot of detail in the design and I, in, geography probably maybe more so than history actually but I think there's there's a lot of details and a lot of little bits that you can get in and link to other areas of the curriculum so it's really having that in-depth knowledge of the whole school's curriculum.
0: So that's that's almost harking back to one of your earlier responses about little and often you know and tying those different Mm -hmm. pieces together yeah that 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 makes a lot of sense and and actually I know of schools that have asked you guys to come in and work with their school leaders. And um, I think that, that can be quite a powerful model, you know, because your schools have released you for maybe about half a day and then you've gone and given your sort of massive big picture sort of experience and then they can make it really relevant for them. You know, so, so I think if anyone's in a position where they're thinking, Oh, I'd really love to do this, you know, there, there's bound to be people in each, each part of the, you know, what have we got? 50 odd counties in England you know, and beyond, um, you know, who are more than willing to give up their time because, um, you know, I know that when people are passionate about stuff, especially in primary, um, you know, they're always more than willing to share. And, um, yeah, so that makes sense. Um, I'm also quite, um, in in, ter- in terms of the pub quizzes, Neil, it's uh, during dinner time, whenever there's almost like a gap and the boys are starting to get restless at the table, I'll give them a UK quiz um, to fill the gaps. Lovely, love it yeah i'll I'll give them a quiz and um, because yeah I think if if they go to school like you say, no one knows fundamentals it's almost the place value, and then from everything else can
2: can happen from their account exactly you know? yeah mm. and I think yeah, that's I think, a lovely way to think about it it's a lovely little analogy there.
1: Um, I've got a list on the wall next to my desk in my classroom of things that need revision, and like the countries and capitals of the u k is one of them and I, and it's not just geography like loads of different things maths all sorts of different things but just stuff that they tend to forget like um the number of days in each month rhyme this the list of things like that and whenever there's a spare moment because I will forget the, these little things so I've just got them all written down there if we've got five minutes I just pick stuff off the list and give them a quiz from that
2: <laughs> I'm going to be still uh, stealing that that's a great idea. Yeah. It, it, you spent so much time
0: on the rhyme that actually you might as well have just gone and checked account <laughs> And I suppose the, ne- the next one, you you may already have answered it, like you say, Neil, but are there, are there any pitfalls that those schools who sort of struggle to provide a decent standard of geography fall into, you know, that people listening should, you know, maybe try, perhaps try to avoid?
1: Not actually teaching geography and geography lessons. So it ends up being too literacy-based um or that people think that it's geography if it's about a country so they teach some facts about a country and think they've done the geography it's making sure it all has to go back to being rooted in the national curriculum um and also when deciding what geography to teach um it's like to avoid deciding based on what will link with the other things that you're teaching that term it's not looking at sometimes it'll be okay we're teaching this book so the geography needs to link to this book and sometimes that's good and like making links to books is is fine but if that's the only thing you're using to to decide the order you're teaching the geography and you don't necessarily get the logical sequencing of um, knowledge in geography to help the children to actually understand it so I think it's having the decision making progress process for Geography actually based on the geography and understanding the geographical concepts you want to teach. And yes, linking to other things and bringing in reading and writing is good, but the driver should be the geography when you're planning the geography. And I think also really looking in depth at the national curriculum and making sure are you actually teaching all of it? Because I think because there's often um, demands on time, but when people are planning, if you're doing it quickly, you'll look and you'll think, oh, yes, we're covering that objective. Without really maybe thinking in as much depth about what are all the elements in that objective that, that it's not just and sometimes I don't think the national curriculum like the way it's laid out helps sometimes because there'll be two or three things actually encompassed in one objective and it sort of looks on the surface like one thing and it's not actually there's three different things in that objective and you probably need to teach them separately So I think it's really having that thorough understanding of the national curriculum like Neil was saying earlier um, and just making sure everything goes back to that rather than, okay, we're going to write something about a river, but have they actually learned all the features of the rivers first to base the writing on? That's probably the main things.
0: What would your ideal time allotment in a week be for geography? Oh,
1: gosh, I don't know. I'm not very good on
2: timetables <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the wrong question I think that's a lot where and this is something I've been thinking quite deeply about quite recently with some colleagues as well I think the idea of giving something a set amount of time is the wrong way to go about it and actually we should be thinking about what do I want to teach them and how much time do I need to be- accomplish that if I know I've got
1: yeah.
2: um you know it's, it's, i think this is the problem with we often for pr- probably arbitrary reasons just make life easy for ourselves you know every half term we have to start a new topic well why if i have what? i'm teaching them something that's going to take that needs 10 weeks of um instruction and i've only been given an hour a week then surely i should be able to use those 10 weeks if i something uh like with victoria like if you're t- in year in key stage one you could pretty much get away potentially without having massive hour blocks of geography and just do 10 minutes little and often every day, every day, every day, every day. So I think one thing that perhaps um, schools can do to kind of create some powerful geography and not just in geography, but in other subjects as well, is stop looking at time as being this arbitrary and stop using the measurements of half terms as that as a, as a measurement of the time that we have and start looking at the content that we actually have and how much time we think we need to cover that because you should be ensuring that your if your curriculum plans are secure enough you'll know you're getting um the coverage so for me it seems uh i understand i think i understand why people do it because it fits nicely and there's that sense of comfort um but i also think we put ourselves in a little box by kind of doing it that way.
0: Nice. Uh, I, I love that. That's
1: basically me. why I don't like timetables. <laughs> that is the reason I don't like timetables. I want to look at everything I need to teach and then I will decide how long is it going to take and what order is the best order to do it in. And I don't want a timetable to tell me teach this for an hour here because that's not necessarily the best way of doing it. So.
2: Exactly. When you look back at, you know, Blooms and Guskey and the problem a mastery model of schooling I think the timetable is one of the main reasons why that's stopped that model from being incorporated into more primary schools and I think primary schools because we have the same students for the whole year we're more likely to be able to actually enact something like um, that that mastery model of schooling but because we stick with these arbitrary time limits on content it makes it 10 times more difficult to do
0: Yeah, I I absolutely love that answer. Um, I'm experiencing a thunderbolt right before your eyes here, you know. The (laughs) the, the scales are falling from my eyes, you know, because obviously banging on about um, an R isn't the unit of time for a lesson. And you guys have just extrapolated that, and actually it makes so much sense. And, you know, that that could possibly be the most important thing that gets um, sort of explained in this episode, I reckon. And, yeah, I'm I'm 100% 100 with you on that.
2: Yeah, I just think I mirror exactly kind of all the things that um, Victoria said that my notes literally say, you know, you get lost in the topic name because you've been given a a weird topic title and so therefore your geography comes from the topic title um, and it bears no resemblance to actually what's in the national curriculum at all or it's so surfaced that you're learning about a country, you're not learning geography per se. I think you've got to be really careful about the... um, the representation that we give of countries as well um if we're using Africa as a model to contrast life in the uk we have to show you know cities like Nairobi which actually don't look so different from um some cities that we have in the united kingdom and so we don't um you know keep on going along we don't perpetuate that myth that you know all of Africa is poor and things like that and I think that's really uh, real careful thing that you know we probably don't generalizing massively here so i'm sure it's not everyone but certainly when i was uh, in the classroom it's not necessarily something i ever gave much thought to and something that i think deserves a lot more thought
0: yeah I, I, that's a great point and it's the, the more i read about geography the more that becomes apparent you know because you, you do have the way that people talking on you know, in the media in general terms about nations and actually the reality is quite far. And, um, mm. you know, and as you said, it's much more complex. And um, yeah, so yeah. I think, yeah, those are. Those I
2: think are... just to just expand quickly on that one, um, even, you know, problematic in, in what I said and, you know, that you would compare the United Kingdom to Africa because Africa is an entire continent. So actually, you know, I apologize for that absolute rookie error, but actually it's not thinking about Africa as this one big place is actually thinking you know it I'm sure it spans thousands of square you know square miles and you know the differences in climate is so different depending on you know how near the equator it is compared to you know like South Africa and the top parts of um, you know Morocco and Egypt so it's you know more useful I think to actually hone in on on a specific country within Africa perhaps than actually doing a massive comparison of Africa as a whole because You can't possibly compare a whole continent to you know a tiny bit part of Europe and expect to get anything um worthwhile. We Uh, had a whole discussion
1: around that um our key stage one comparison because we do the Amazon in in year two and we had a whole discussion on what should the comparison be because comparing the Amazon rainforest with London it's a bit like well they're obviously going to be different because one's a rainforest and one's a city so then we were sort of discussing, okay, do we compare Brazil with like England? Or do we compare like the Amazon with a forest in the UK? So I think it's really thinking about that. And yeah, it's just it's really careful thought. And I think that all comes back to subject knowledge and that subject knowledge of the person who's um planning the curriculum. And then also making sure that teachers understand why those decisions have been made and that they have the knowledge as well. Like what's the reason that we're doing that? And so that they know why they, why, why does the curriculum say we're comparing uh, the new forest with the Amazon rainforest rather than, well, we're comparing where we live with the Amazon rainforest, like really having in-depth reasoning behind those decisions and making sure everyone understands them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally with you. I think, um, even if you were to compare the north of Argentina with the south of Argentina, because yeah. of the way it sits in South America, you get quite a different climate, and um, and obviously yeah. that that affects how the people are, and, and because of the the conditions they're living in, you know, I think perhaps more mountainous in the south. You know, don't quote me on that, um, but it, it changes your way of life and stuff. Yeah, so I, I totally understand that, and um, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking about my own practice. I was probably guilty of all those, um, you know, being far too general yeah i'm
1: reading,
0: sure i have been in the monitor. past yeah um, yeah that's that's awesome it's
1: hard not to teach it in things in a stereotypical way if you have to have the subject knowledge to not do that don't you like i I'm, I'm sure that i used to do it because if you haven't had the time to read up and sometimes you don't know what you don't know either do you so yeah. really developing subjects to avoid stereotypes needs a lot of time spent on it
0: yeah absolutely yeah it is, is that not knowing what you don't know and, not, and it's only when you do realize you're like, oh my goodness, um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and I think that goes that sort of segues quite nicely into the next question. And um, so we're going to stick with our listeners. And what would you recommend to anyone wishing to develop their geographical prowess in, in terms of teaching? You know, what should they read in terms of, you know, for instance, books, papers, articles, blogs, perhaps even TV shows, like you said, The Ascent of Man. Um, and what, what would you recommend for anyone thinking I want to up my Geographical game.
2: I think the first thing to do would be to, if you're not already, pester, um whoever's in charge of the the purse strings to um, get a subscription to the geographical association. I think it's about fifty three pound. I think for a institution, so it's really not a lot. A lot of their resort, they've got some really good stuff on there, and some of the better stuff you then have to pay on top of. Um, but you can get um their collection they call it um in the know and it's a uh, 10 ebooks of just pure geographical factual information that covers key stage one and key stage two it they have been written you know obviously by people commissioned by the geographical association for um the layman like us or certainly like me anyway and i know when i was looking at um our school's curriculum because when you go to um you know, you can go to different websites and different websites have different names. for. So, you know, I think I remember, like, right, actually, what is the continent that Australia is on actually called? Is it Australia? Is it Australasia? Is it Oceania? Every website I went to, different, 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 different. So I just thought, right, if I if the, Ge- the Geographical Association have put their name to this, I'm content in saying whatever they've said in this this is what we'll go for. And that just means we can get that consistency then through that school. So as well, you know, the names of the different climates, you go to a website a, a, website B, they got different names for them. I, you bought this and I think it costs, for the 10, it costs something like 20 pounds, I think it is, but it's, for geographical knowledge, I think it is one of the best 20 pounds you can buy. And it's safe. it's all eBooks, so you just download them, put them on your um, server and you are off to the races another great little book um one of mark hanser's first one was making jog Geog- making every geography lesson count it's written more from the perspective of secondary but what it does is it looks at um if you're familiar with the making every uh, lesson count series it looks at the kind of the six principles of uh, challenge explanation feedback modeling uh, practice and challenge. I think I said that already. Uh, And what they might look like in a geography classroom. Um, But the part that I found most useful for me was that in one of the sections, um, Mark writes um, a model of what he would expect a a year seven pupil to give if they were doing a country comparison. And so for me as a year six teacher, I found that really valuable just to give an idea of, um, right, this is something what the endpoint might start to look like if we can get children starting to replicate something like this then i know mark answer will be happy and so if he's happy about something geographically um, then i'm going to be happy about it as well um and my final uh tidbit of wisdom would be to if you haven't already do go and look up victoria's blogs on um geography because they are um incredibly useful and i know we um we joke about all things Victoria but they really are um exceptionally useful and I I learn a lot from reading them and still go back to them to this day so definitely check those out
1: I keep saying I'm going to update the key stage two geography one and then not doing it maybe I'll actually do that <laughs> because That's I think a lot more since I originally wrote back that geography one yeah
2: um it's recorded now so you have to
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, i have to do it give
2: yeah. the people give the people what they want
1: well, when we're done if I feel enthusiastic maybe I'll do this afternoon um yeah, yeah. another book that it's really good and this one's good for subject knowledge is um this one teaching primary geography um and that's got subject knowledge for different like different areas of the curriculum so there's like rivers and it gives you the subject knowledge at the beginning of the chapter and then some ideas of how to t- teach it as well so um that's a good one um and I guess I, sh- I should recommend Powerful Geography since I'm in it. <laughs> but it is this Powerful Geography is written, um, and it's aimed at all key all key stages, not just secondary. Um, I haven't finished the whole thing yet, but it is relevant to primary as well. Um, and I mean, a lot of I learned a lot of my geography from just asking Mark Enza questions on Twitter. So I'm sure that if people have questions, just ask the question on Twitter and secondary geography people are quite happy to help. That's Mm. a lot of how I I started learning a few things and then I'd be thinking about it and just ask the question on Twitter.
2: Yeah, tapping into secondary geography colleagues Mm. has been um, extremely useful. And I've found the geographical department very uh, willing to help out and um, chip in and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: because you've got people who have dedicated their... Lives to study in a subject, then to disseminate what they've learned to younger people, um, younger people. So Suppose not to ring fence anybody into year groups and stuff. Um, so yeah, they're absolutely going to be on board with uh, spreading the word as much as possible, aren't they? You know, um, which, it probably makes it a little bit more shocking that there is this disconnect between the phases because you know you've got people who are so passionate. And um, yeah, and I think I think Twitter is a wonderful tool when used properly. Because you know everyone just wants to share and, and chat and discuss, and um, are there any big ideas that of conflict in geography you know in maths you would have conversations about vocabulary and terminology you know just as you' as you're mentioning Neil, you know what are the climates called what are the, you know what, what is the name of the the, the continent to the, the south east of, of Asia.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um... I don't know if they have those kind of conflicts on 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 their level. I just think it doesn't make life easier for the novice who wants to become more expert when they get these different. I'm a. And it happened in maths as well. I've. I like the idea of things being codified, and it is as it is. Um, and perhaps that's just because you know i like the certainty of all of that kind of thing um and when it's not it it, it irritates me but it shouldn't irritate me it's just one of the things where, you know well you know why is there you know subject communities why are you not coming together to hammer these out and you know declare this is what we're going to call it from now on and let that be that and i think if they did that perhaps it would help a lot um but also that with that then you lose some of the nuance and the debate that goes about it which i think you know can only be a good thing really i think when when you get certainty i think um you know we probably strive then to stop because we don't think we have anything more to go on so knowing that there isn't that certainty actually means that we end up finding out more as well um but in terms of any big geographical arguments i'm not entirely sure i I know victoria's read the book so she might have a few mark might mention a few i don't know
1: no, I don't. I mean, I I think there's probably pet peeve um, misconceptions. But I, I don't know if I know mm. any conflict as such, but I'm just thinking about the misconception that um, countries near the equator are hotter because they're closer to the sun yeah. rather than they get more direct sunlight. I know that one, I think Mark's mentioned that in the talk a few times. Yeah.
2: I think he also mentions children coming up and thinking the source of a river is the sea.
1: Right, yeah.
2: I think he's mentioned that one. I think you mentions it was that a research ed, and I think you actually had to chime in to give an answer. Um was it all mountains or volcanoes? Or all volcano volcanoes or mountains? It was that was the on sorry that. one. And the, was it the sorry one, yeah.
1: Claire was involved and then Claire said something and I didn't I correct her. I think, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> um and I think isn't I think there's a thing between um geography and values so like not trying to get too much into value-laden like looking at climate change but not trying to influence children's beliefs on not sort of looking too much and there's a word that I'm not getting what am I trying to say
2: it's just making Um, sure I think it stays in that discipline isn't it that it doesn't it stays geography and it doesn't quickly become citizenship
1: yeah and it's not going too much yeah into moral education away from
0: the actual geography of around those issues yeah yeah i imagine that's a very easy trap to fall into and um, the the geography Association mm. in of bargain is yeah 50 50 pounds wow you know that's in
2: i think it's i think it's 53 pound if you want an individual membership or 53 pound for an institution i think when i looked at it yesterday
0: nice you know
2: as i, I, think... I say some of the resources then are are paid for afterwards but i know there's plenty of free stuff on there as well that i've definitely used and borrowed
0: yeah well i've seen schools spend a whole lot more on stuff half as good so I might, I yeah be very silly and not they have,
2: be yeah way. they have their own yeah they have their own scheme there as well you have to again it's an extra you have to pay for it and i don't know the quality of that but if someone wanted something to start off their oh. geographical journey that you know is not going to be twinkle or a uh, a third party publisher who's going a generic you know they are the subject subject specialists and I can't imagine you'd go too far wrong with using that as a as your foundation
1: I think it's quite useful looking at some of their lesson plans for because like when I plan geography I'm approaching it more from um at like the knowledge point of view I suppose and it's good looking at how how would a job a natural geography specialist approach teaching that topic and just the way they've planned their lessons It's not it's good to look for ideas anyway and to think about different ways of teaching the lessons and yeah I think I often go for the most direct and um, literal way of doing things just naturally so it's good to look at maybe a different like thinking outside the box how to approach a topic look at their i I think i don't have a membership i've just looked at their free stuff there's a river's scheme of work on there that's quite interesting to look at for ideas
2: definitely worth it and i do think there's no excuse why schools aren't members of all the subject associations i really don't think there is something there for everything and individuals are very likely to listen to what you have to say i've had conversations with numerous people from different subject associations telling them you know I'm not happy about this. Or I want, one of the issues I do have is that they do split the memberships into primary and they do split it into secondary. And some of the more meaty things that I like to get nerdy about, like the you know, big geographical ideas and concepts like that are behind the paywall for the secondary thing. And it's like, oh, but a quick email being like, look, I'm really interested in this. Can you please, you know, nine times out of 10, they'll, very helpful.
0: Nice. That's solid inside info. Um, and so in terms of subject knowledge, what are your top three sources of rich geographical knowledge? And I know you've already touched on that a little bit, Victoria, with um, with your first book recommendation. But where would, where would you go for subject knowledge?
1: I, a lot of mine comes from just re- reading children's nonfiction books. And I will read, a, read loads of nonfiction books about whatever topic I'm doing and then sort of follow it up myself with questions and then that's where I'll question people on Twitter just to make sure that I know the right thing and I've understood it but a lot of it does come from I just look at loads of non-fiction books, reads, looks, look at lots of different examples.
2: Yeah um, I think DK are such a underestimated underrated uh, website to use for subject knowledge for some things there some of their stuff is really 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 good um i certainly enjoy i say the in the know from the geographical association is you know first class and outstanding the royal geographical society which is different to the geographical association they have some really really good stuff plenty of um, lesson plans and in-depth articles etc on there really really good and the you can't go wrong with National Geographic magazine or there's National Geographic Geographic Kids as well. Yeah. Um, both of those things are really, really useful.
1: I should do my plug for Epic. I love Epic. But if you, if you use Epic for reading, they've got lots of National Geographic Kids books on there and other really good non-fiction books. And then that's great at the moment in lockdown as well. Like every time I start a new topic, I set my children a new collection of books to read to link to whatever we're learning. Um, and also when you're in school, then it just means they can all have a copy of the same nonfiction book. So you can show them on the board, but you, if you've got devices, they can actually have their own copies to look at for reading as well. So that's been great for, for me, but also for using with the children this year.
0: Nice. That, that, that sounds awesome. you had to give me the link for that so I can stick it in the show notes because then, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely want to investigate that further. Um, so I think moving on slightly... What are the features of a high quality geography curriculum?
1: I think we've probably, we've probably covered most of it in other questions. Um, for me, the main thing is probably the logic. Like you want to see logic in the sequencing of the curriculum. Just to think, does it, it's just, it is the sense of does it make sense to teach that after that or what year group does it fit into to link with the science? I think that's what I would look at. If I was looking at a curriculum, it's just the big picture would be, does it make sense? What's, where's the logic behind it? Can you work out the reasoning why things have been planned in that way? Looking at, is it going to actually have, like, I, I would look and think, okay, but if the children learn that in that way, is it going to have the outcome you want, which is at the end of the end of key stage two? they know all the stuff in the primary geography curriculum. Like how likely is it that they will get this from, from the planning? So we've probably discussed lots of details about that before. That's probably what I would be looking for.
2: Nice, yeah, I think I've just written down um, seven little bullet points here. So going to what Victoria said, you know, well-sequenced and everything that um, Victoria mentioned about how it all fits together and all comes together. The links between everything is clear and there's a real purpose. not that we do anything for Ofsted but if you do ask those questions why this why then someone can answer a question and you know and I think the hardest thing that I find supporting schools is that someone else's reasons to why this why then may be different to mine but that's perfectly okay and acceptable um, as long as they can provide that reasoning for that might challenge it just because you know that's what I'm there to do but as long as they can provide an answer for it then and it's a high quality answer then that's not a problem at all i think um resource rich is a really important one for geography um i do think the fact that you can go through a school and kids haven't seen a globe or there isn't a world map in the classroom because um the topic board has to go there or whatever kind of no space has been made for that, you know, a large, meaty, chunky world map, which, you know, it's it's there in September and it's blank. And by the time you get through to July, you know, things have been added to it. There's um, post-it notes all over it. There's string coming out from all over it, linking things to that they've done. I think one, you know, one of those is really great, but again, just making sure that you have the resources to go and, um, you know, teach geography really, really well. Um, I think as well, um, it, a high-quality geography curriculum could go beyond curriculum. And i can imagine an it would be bad geography, but you could probably teach the curriculum as a whole in, you could probably do like a drop-down week, and if you dedicated a whole week in key stage one and a whole week in just one-year group in key stage two, you probably could teach it. You could teach it all. They wouldn't learn it all, but they could teach it all. Um, and there are, I think, some bigger missions from um the national curriculum for example it's not um kind of expected that key stage um in key stage one or two africa is looked at i know that does go on to mention it in key stage three but i think there's certainly no harm in, to going beyond that and looking at africa i think it's actually quite important that in primary school they get you know a little bit of breadth and depth in everything you know as much as possible um This one goes back to what Victoria said, um, the opportunities to revisit prior-learned content, which goes back to the sequencing aspects, right? Little and often, little and often, where can we drop in things? If we've studied rivers in Spain, then when I do um, North America, it probably makes sense to look at the Mississippi and various other rivers or whatever it might be. Not to say that it's gonna take up all your time, but it's just there to add to that other anchor to extend that scheme of what river is. I think quite important as well is that it tries to take students out of their lived experience. I absolutely agree that we'd start with what the students know and have, but the end point is for them to realise that this, there is some things bigger than them out there and that, you know, whether they like it or not, they are part of this interconnected world and the role that they do play in it is important and it will kind of have that butterfly ripple effect and affect different things in different ways. They get that understanding of, you know, where we are in the world and how we got there. My, my sense of man moment. Um, but also, I think they know what geography isn't as well. Kind of be what I would pick as my high features of a high quality geography curriculum.
1: Using, making use of the local area and the field work as well. And like using trips and visits and like, yeah, really incorporating that into everything else is really important as well.
0: So, something that comes across really clearly is how carefully you're thinking you know both of you about the decisions you make and mm-hmm. and how that how geography looks in your schools comes to be and you know there there are no half measures really are there you know it's a case of this is worthy of our time you know let's put the groundwork in and then and um, and then the children will flourish as a result um, yes, and yes really, really, really fascinating. And, you know, like I say, I wish I was teaching geography tomorrow. And um, so your work has inspired many, many teachers um, and I think will continue to do so for a long time. But where do you draw your inspiration
2: from? I found this question the hardest. Oh, I've got um,
1: loads. Can I go first? You go first then,
2: <laughs> and I can just say.
1: We've got loads of stuff down for this one. Um, I think mainly it's, it's from the children that I just look at the children and what they know and I want them to know as much as they can. So a lot of it is just the children and also other teachers at school and just think like everyone's got different ways of approaching things. Um, and I think probably more general things on curriculum design, obviously um, Claire's work on curriculum design, Claire Seely, has a massive influence on, I mean, She she, um, obviously had a massive influence on our school, but also just me generally before I actually worked at the school that her blogs and just thinking how do they apply to geography um, was a big influence. Um, And also when I've worked with other schools as well, that's so, so useful. I I always think of new ways of developing my school's geography curriculum when I've gone to work with another school and I think, oh, actually... Now I've done that at that school, I want us to do something like that as well. And I want to alter it a little bit. So working with other schools and talking to teachers from different schools, always really, really um, interesting to just see different ways of approaching things. Um, yeah, okay, I'm going to stop there. You can go. <laughs> because I'm going um, to ramble on a bit more, but it um, might not be very interesting.
2: <laughs> ram- ramble away. Um, (laughs) I think there's been definitely some secondary um, colleagues from Twitter that I definitely kind of draw some inspiration from, um, particularly uh, Mark Enser, Michael Childs and uh, David Rogers. Uh, They both, um, all three of those have made me really reconsider primary geography. And even looking through um, Mark's recent book, there's still some areas where I'm, you know, I, st- I still have a lot of work to do as well as to what um good geography can look like. Maybe he's been a bit ambitious what he expects by the end of key stage two perhaps um but I think you know you've gotta you know you've got to have that ambition you've gotta have that high expectation and we've gotta see you know it's worth seeing if it if it can work absolutely um again, you know general curriculum design principles and really kind of understanding. How it all works together, how we can pull it up so that we can give children you know the best start in life has certainly kind of been my um you know my inspiration for this and it's one of those things where I can start off not as I say i, I similar to victoria actually i dropped I dropped geography in year nine as soon as I could I never really gave it much thought until I had to start teaching it didn't particularly enjoy teaching it and I'm sure what the quality that I was providing wasn't great and then you know cognitive science and how everything kind of fits together it's just you know it's like a nice big puzzle isn't it and we like as a species we like solving puzzles and it's a puzzle I'm determined to kind of solve not just myself but if anyone else finds the answers that I seem to be providing useful and it helps people then you know brilliant.
0: Excellent what wonderful answers and and, you know, I, I know for certain that um, people do find what you guys have contributed, you know, um, extremely useful. And, you know, I, and I, I mean it when I say they will continue to do so for, for a long time. Um, so I suppose then last thing to ask is, um, is there any final advice, you know, for teachers who are now feeling energized, you know, like me and ready to up their geography game? Victoria, have you anything else that you think, oh, I must say this before um, before the end?
1: I think I probably just want to repeat what Neil said right at the beginning about when you're reading the national curriculum, really read the 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 beginning, the the description of what geography is. Like read that introduction to the national curriculum first, and start from there. And then I think maybe probably just enjoy learning about geography yourself. I've just found it so interesting. That I every time I find something else out, it seems to lead to more and more things. And I think if you Mm. just Enjoy finding things out for yourself, then that will have a big impact on the quality of your geography teaching.
2: Excellent, Neil. Have any final words of advice? Um, we're far from you know the final word on anything geography, but I'm sure Victor- Victoria and I are happy to help out any way that we can over Twitter, and that's not me kind of drum up any business for anything. I, I, I don't, well, we don't have a consultancy. At all. So My it would business. just be us giving our free time. Which, I, I
1: um, ha- that, but I'm not making any money out of it, but I, I, I actually can drum up business for I will help schools. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. So we're not we're doing it because we want kids to have a good experience of geography, not because we're looking to line our own pockets. <laughs> um, Pester SLT as much as you can to make sure you get that GA membership. I'd say definitely make do that uh it's a marathon and not a sprint you're not going to get it right the first time nor should you expect to get it right the first time And if you think you have got it right the first time i can probably guarantee you that you haven't got it right <laughs> so you know take your time with it its curriculum is never done it's never finished um it's always got to go through that process of checking and refining checking and refining um and as much as i don't want this because i know um if he does listen my cancer so will um jump on it too much but you know buy some of Mark Henson's books um and I'll say they're all right because he, he does <laughs> enough to uh you know, advertise himself super and um... but yeah that, those would be my uh, top ones oh and obviously you know go to Victoria because she's got some really interesting ideas on um she mentioned field trips earlier and her idea of when you should do Field work and when you should go on trips to um, be part of your curriculum offering is um, quite interesting and different to the way I think most schools go about doing their trips so definitely go and check out her blog on how that should work.
0: It's been a real pleasure talking to you guys today thank you very much for sharing your time and expertise Um, and obviously we'll see you next week when we go into history in in the same depth that we've got into geography. So thank you very much guys. Thank
2: you. Thank you very much.